Hello, and welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. I'm Sandra Lindsay. February is Heart Month, and today we revisit a conversation we had with women's heart health expert, Dr. Evelina Graver. She's director of Northwell Health's Women's Heart Program for the Central Region and oversees its cardio-obstetrics program. We spoke with Dr. Graver in 2023 about this program, which she calls her baby, and how it's helping detect and prevent heart issues in women before, during, and after pregnancy. We know that heart disease remains the number one killer of women in America. But what many women don't realize is that symptoms commonly associated with pregnancy, like shortness of breath, swollen hands and feet, could also be indications of a serious underlying heart condition. In this episode, Dr. Graver explains who is at risk, what symptoms to look out for, and when to seek help. On a personal note, I was so happy to meet Dr. Graver, whose passion and work I greatly admire. We also have some shared experience, which is where our conversation began. We share a little bit in common from as long as I can remember. I always wanted to be a nurse. Really? And I know you said since the age of five. five, you knew you wanted to become a doctor. A hundred percent. I didn't know that there's actually another profession that's actually out there and I don't know why because I don't have anybody who's a physician like none of them you know coming from an old school immigrant family from Ukraine right as a girl you end up doing what your mother does and my mom is a pianist just or a teacher right Mm -hmm. and every all the male the men are like engineers so I have no idea where this whole obsession with being a physician came from Well, we're happy that you're in the field, but why cardiology? I want to make a difference in reference to number one, the maternal mortality, which is really horrible in the United States. Uh, And since cardiovascular disease is the number one reason why the mortality of uh, pregnant women or postpartum women is the highest, I really take it incredibly personally for me to make a little bit of amend in that atrocious number. Adding to what Dr. Graver said there, cardiovascular disease plays a role in more than a third of American pregnancy-related deaths. And just as important, two-thirds of those deaths are preventable. So the question then becomes, what can we do? Dr. Graver shares her take on that and much more. Here is our conversation with Dr. Evelina Graver. All right. Well, such a pleasure again to meet you. And thanks for joining us today on 20 Minute Health Talk. Thank you. I had Dr. Stacey Rosen on the podcast. And as you know, um, Dr. Graver, she's the president of the Katz Institute for Women's Health here at Northwell. And one of the things that... um, 
fascinated me that she mentioned, and I wanted to delve deeper into it, is heart disease and pregnancy. Right. How one affects the other, or vice versa. I know. I know. It's it's very interesting, right? Um, so we're not used to recognizing the fact that heart disease can be in women. We're not used to the to think the fact that heart disease can affect the young. And now you're taking a combination of a young woman who's not even thinking of having any cardiac issues at all, who is either thinking of getting pregnant or is pregnant and develops cardiac complications. Pregnancy really is like a stress test on the body, on a woman's body, based upon all of the hemodynamics that take place, right? Your heart rate significantly increases because of the fact that your heart goes from pumping usually four to five liters of blood per minute to about eight to 10 liters of blood per minute. So that's a significant strain on the heart, right? So in med school, we were taught a lot of really sort of clear-cut um, evaluation in reference to a woman that does have congenital heart disease and gets to the point where she's in her reproductive years and wants to become a mom. And subsequently, we know the fact that there is a potential risk of maintaining a pregnancy with certain of that congenital component. However, the one thing, so we kind of knew it as a sort of a one-way street relationship, but we never understood the fact that, that it's actually a two-way relationship, meaning because of that component of a stress on the body and on the heart during the time of the pregnancy, a lot of women develop what's called adverse pregnancy outcomes. And adverse pregnancy outcomes are known as sort of preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure during the time of the actual um, delivery and other complications of it, uh, or spontaneous preterm delivery before the week of 32, or intrauterine growth restriction, where the baby's a little is definitely smaller than its expected size. The old school mentality was that it happens, the woman delivers, the baby's good, the mom is good, you know, we maintain the blood pressure well controlled within the first week or so, and then it's forgotten. We now know that that's not the case. We now know the fact that those women that have those adverse pregnancy outcomes, the preeclampsia, the spontaneous preterm delivery, the intrauterine growth restriction, they are at significant risk for lifelong cardiovascular disease. So whereas we know the fact that there are certain classical risk factors, right? There's the diabetes, there's the hypertension, which is the high blood pressure, high cholesterol, you know, smoking, obesity. We know those are sort of the classic risk factors for the heart. But now these adverse pregnancy outcomes is, have finally made it into what's called novel gender-specific cardiovascular risk factors, where we know the fact that these women have to be clearly monitored very closely during the first six to 12 months after delivery, because that's when we see the most complications. That's when we see certain heart attacks. That's when we see strokes for those, a lot of those young women. So really, who is at risk? Mm -hmm. Everyone. So there's not, so there's certain women that are at higher risk, um, certain races, such as African-American women, such as women of Hispanic descent, they are at higher risk. Women that have predisposing conditions, such as baseline hypertension, baseline diabetes, those that have other risk factors that I mentioned that are considered classic risk factors. So obviously those women that are going into the pregnancy with those risk factors are at higher risk of developing the adverse pregnancy outcomes. And we see a lot more of them now because a lot of women tend to get pregnant a little bit later in life. Uh, women prioritize career at a certain period of time, but even those that do not, 
even the younger ones that are in their early 20s, mid-20s, are still at risk. And we don't know why. And this is where the research in the field is so, so important at this period of time because we don't know what happens. Is it the fact that, you know, what comes first? Is it the chicken or the egg, as they say, right? Mm -hmm. So is it the fact that the pregnancy, because of its being sort of a, like a stress test on the body, unveils certain things? Or is it that the actual preclamp or the actual placenta releases something and there's issues with the actual vasculature of the placenta that increases the woman's risk? This is where the research is. This is why this is such a highly rapidly developing field right now and because we don't know enough and we need the research. Oftentimes, you know, women believe that you deliver and you're good. Yep. And a lot of the symptoms that you mentioned, you know, could be justified by other things, right? Very much so. And to be honest with you, a lot of it is very cultural and there's a little bit of a bias, right? Even... Even before delivering, during the time of the pregnancy, right? For some reason, it appears the fact that when a woman is pregnant, being short of breath has become a normal, right? Having significantly swollen feet is a norm. And, you know, when they come to me with those swollen feet and the swollen hands and the significant shortness of breath, I always tell them we have to rule out all other possibilities, including cardiomyopathies, including gestational hypertension, including everything else that can actually fall into before we actually say that this is pregnancy-related, right? And unfortunately, I do end up catching anywhere between 5 to 10% of those women that do come in with pregnancy, normal, short of breath, that's actually just not pregnancy-induced. So I just want to clarify for our listeners. Yes. Swollen hands, swollen feet, yes. shortness of breath. Yes. When you're pregnant, it it's not a pregnancy symptom that you should be comfortable with. Correct. Correct. Uh, again, there are certain normals that come across. However, those symptoms have to be evaluated. And it's not even to, you know, to be stricken in panic of any kind, but to be able to see a cardiologist, to get a baseline EKG, to get a baseline echocardiogram and uh, an ultrasound of your heart, to assess, to make sure the fact that you don't have any significant cardiomyopathy or weakening in the heart muscle or valvular disease. Because unfortunately, one of the things that pregnancy does unveil as well is valvular disease, disease of the valves, uh, that potentially a young woman would never really know about because they may not have seen a physician uh, besides there may be their pediatrician or something of that nature. And maybe someone sometime mentioned that they might have had a murmur, but they didn't pay attention much to it. But it's sometimes very hard, right? Because you have a young mom who just gave birth or is about to give birth. And she's in the height of her happiness, as they say. She's about to become a mom. And she's going to have a lot of responsibility on her hands. And this is where a lot of women get into trouble because of... They will prioritize that baby, right? And unfortunately, they will not prioritize themselves and all of their ailments. So we know, um, Dr. Graver, that about 80% of cardiac disease is preventable. How can we prevent heart-related problems during pregnancy? So the first thing is to make sure that you are in the best cardiovascular shape before getting pregnant. Okay? And how do we do that? That is with constant um i don't like to say diet 
because people think when people died, it's like a, a two to four week <laughs> sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking about more of a lifestyle modification and being able to maintain a healthy diet, which you and I can discuss for hours as to what that actually means, and continuous exercise, where you're exercising at least 30 minutes a day, at least five days out of the week, okay? And maintaining your ideal weight. That's number one. I think the other component is never be concerned about getting what's called preconception counseling, okay? Meaning, if someone ever told you the fact that there is a genetic predisposition for heart disease in your family, if somebody has ever told you the fact that maybe you did have an abnormal EKG or an abnormal physical exam consistent with a murmur, before getting pregnant, go see a cardiologist. I think that's also quite important to do. We want to make sure the fact that all of those classic risk factors that we spoke about for heart disease, such as the diabetes, the cholesterol, the hypertension, the smoking, the obesity, all of it is controlled, that that you don't smoke or vape, because vaping right now is even more prevalent within the young than smoking. Um, And then if you do have genetic predisposition, because that's the other 20%, right? So 80% is preventable, 20% is genetic. And we cannot run away from our genetics. We cannot run away from our age, even though I try every day. <laughs> but, uh, and we cannot run away from sort of our genetic cultural background, right? But if you know that, if you know that, then getting that early preventative evaluation is key. So there's a lot of women that come to see me with preconception counseling, women that have um, congenital disease, that are on certain medications that are not, um, as I like to call them, pregnancy-friendly, right? So we do have to change the management uh, in reference to those medications, right, uh, that are more consistent with medications that are safe for both the mom and the baby. And thank God we have plenty of options at this period of time. For those women that actually develop any of one of those adverse pregnancy outcomes, such as preeclampsia or anything else, we have options that are, again, safe for the mommy and safe for the baby during the time of the pregnancy and then during the time of, of lactation, breastfeeding, that are safe for both. Awesome. So we have here at Northwell a cardio obstetrics program. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So cardio obstetrics program, and I know it's going to sound funny, but that really is kind of my baby, really. <laughs> uh, being a Yes. The point of the program is for there to be a seamless, efficient way that OBGYN can immediately refer their patients post-delivery uh, with preeclampsia or any other, other uh, adverse pregnancy outcomes, or, or if those uh, OBGYN feel that their patient actually needs to have preconception counseling because of the fact that they've had either cardiac surgery in the past as a child because they were born with congenital heart disease or developed something within their teenage years or their early 20s and they need to be seen. So that is sort of a very seamless, efficient way for patients to kind of cross over easily without OBGYN having to scramble which cardiologist they're going to see or not. And the other component of it is the fact that we have now chosen cardiologists that are sort of became experts in the field, meaning that they've shown so much interest in it. They've done extra legwork really to kind of um, understand the pathology, pathophysiology as to what happens during the time of the pregnancy, how do certain drugs affect that we've created a certain group of cardiologists and a certain group of OBGYN that really have that seamless transaction between their patients. 
It's a very, very unique uh, program. It's one of the few in the nation, but one of the most rapidly growing. Um, when did the program begin, the cardioobstetrics program? And what are your goals for the program? So cardioobstetrics program uh, officially started in September of 2020. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> September of 2020. And um, so was that after which wave? Of it the was pandemic? after it was after one of the original waves. So what happened was that um, my interest in women's heart program started to grow um, early on in my fellowship. Um, and that's when Dr. Rosen took me on as uh, as a mentee. And um, I realized and subsequently when I was in charge of the cardiac intensive care unit, the CCU, there were too many women in my unit that did not carry the typical risk factors that I was taught in regarding to cardiovascular disease. And that's where Dr. Rosen and I started really thinking about the importance of the Women's Heart Program. And uh, after the original wave of COVID, when I uh, served and I uh, ran the COVID unit, I came out of the COVID land realizing the fact that I really wanted to do something more for longevity. And that's where Cardio B was born. It's for the entire health system. I'm in charge of the central region, which is the North Shore LIJ and Cats Women's Institute. On the east end, we have uh, Dr. Cachibato and Dr. Eugenia Giano's on the western end. And it's a full thickness program, meaning the fact that we're not only seeing patients as an outpatient, but we also see inpatient consultations as well. When those women come in or other cardiac complications occur that needs to be urgently evaluated and potentially even monitored in the cardiac intensive care unit. And I want to make a difference in reference to number one, the paternal mortality, which is really horrible in the United States. Uh, and since cardiovascular disease is the number one reason why the mortality of uh, pregnant women or postpartum women is the highest, I really take it incredibly personally for me to make a little bit of amend in that atrocious number. Wow. Your passion is just palpable and I thank you for your service. The one thing that has gotten me personally through that post-COVID burnout is finding that passion, is finding the fact that I'm actually able to find something that I genuinely enjoy and bring in as much as, as possible of these women that I know if I, if I can implement all of the necessary uh, changes will make a monstrous change in their life. For cardiac disease in general, um, women, black women, are three to four times more likely to develop cardiovascular disease than other ethnicities. Yes. Is that the same for um, cardioobstetrics? Cardioobstetrics? Yes. yes. African-American women are anywhere between actually four to six percent higher to actually develop uh, adverse pregnancy outcomes and preeclampsia and gestational hypertension and gestational diabetes being the highest ones. Um, and these are women that, again, did not have or did not know that they had any predisposing conditions. And it's not women that are, you know, at a higher BMI level or greater obesity, N not at all. It's a matter that, again, part of 
research that we definitely need to do is understanding the vasculature, the vasculature difference between an African-American woman and other uh, ethnicities. Very well. Well, this has been an interesting conversation, Dr. Graver. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. It's uh, great to be able to share it. Get more expert insight from the leading voices in healthcare today. You can subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk wherever podcasts are available.